Greetings and welcome to the Trauma and Social Work Podcast. Thank you for listening to Season 2. You are listening to Tanya Octave, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. My goal is to provide education, resources, suggested practices, and understand more about the aspects of trauma and social work. This podcast is for you because we are all impacted by trauma. I am your host. Go grab your notepad, pen, or pencil, a warm cup of tea, and let's get down to business. This season is to focus on the voices of others impacted by trauma. Although I may speak on behalf of others with their permission, this is still their voice. You will hear from social workers, parents, families, children, teenagers, clinicians, and just so much more. You will hear from all people, regardless of their heritage, ethnic background, gender or sexuality, identification, social economic status, and much more. Let's take a deep, profound listening to all voices. podcast is not intended for medical, psychological, mental health, or legal advice. You should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. Today we have Maria with us, and this makes me really happy. She has worked for the Child Welfare Department for over a decade. During her time, her skills, training expertise, and endurance has pushed her to new heights. Maria did not know she wanted to be in the field of social work as a child, but she soon discovered her strength in multitasking, being able to clearly and openly communicate with others, and her empathy has grown as a social worker. Maria demonstrates empathy to all the families she services, even when it is difficult for others to do the same. She is forgiving of her behaviors and understands that all parents struggle. Parents need more support. Children and youth need more support. And her patience is worth noting. Maria navigates her life as a social worker. She has participated in many roles in her personal life that have encouraged her to work harder, to do things differently, even when it wasn't working out, and endure emotional and physical suffering at times. Maria is a single parent, and I thought it would be significant and special to hear her voice. Her voice as a parent, her voice as a social worker, her voice as a person of color, Her voice as someone who wakes up every day going to work, wanting to make a difference, wanting to help, and the strength to do it over and over again. When we think about social workers, we have little patience and consideration about their lives, their struggles, and how they are trying to balance the demands from court, the demands from supervisors and managers, the demands from parents, the demands from children and teens, the demands from other professionals, 
even the demands from your own families, your own children. Maria is a person, a real person, trying to do the best she can in her professional and personal life. So I want to first begin by saying thank you, Maria, for all the work you do as a social worker, for the dedication you have to your family and children, and for setting aside time to share a little with us today. So how would you describe your day, a typical day, if there is such a thing for a social worker? Hi, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. Um, There really isn't a typical day for me. Um, Every day is so different. Um, And that's actually something that I do appreciate about being a social worker. There's no two days alike. So you like, is it the change? Is it the flexibility or not knowing what you're going to do on any particular day? Not knowing what, what's going to come up. Um, I think quick on my feet. And I think that's one of the, the things that I really appreciate about not having a typical day, being able to jump on whatever comes on and let's take it on. So knowing that there's kind of not a typical day as a social worker, what are some of the things that you may experience? Experience as far as... Experience like getting up and getting to work or what you do during the day, how you organize it. I mean, I'm very systematic, so I I pretty much have um, a way of just having everything ready to go so that I'm ready to go. Um, The challenges, I think, lately have been the whole COVID situation, Um, traffic being good, being bad, just, you know, situations out in the community. So it sounds like for you, staying organized and being prepared not knowing what your typical day is going to be like is maybe a little exciting, but that's how you kind of manage it all. Right, exactly. So how do you prepare? How do you prepare for a life as a social worker? Um, I, you know, what is that saying where, where they say, um, you don't get ready, you stay ready. I think that that's a mm-hmm. huge part of of what I do, I try to always be ready to go. Um, for example, a lot of us lately have been working from home. Um, I make sure that I get up, I shower, I'm ready to go as if I were to go into the office. So there's no getting ready in the middle of the day when I get a call out. It, I'm ready from the, the beginning of the day. I have my equipment ready to go. I have people laugh, but I, I typically carry like four car seats in my car. So I have to have organization in order for me to function well and be able to to move forward is a part of you being ready having paperwork easily accessible how do you manage that or are you completely electronic at this point no I'm very old school I like paperwork um I I I have to get used to it's taken me a while to get used to working solely on computers but Um, Yeah, I have my packets ready to go. I have all my phones charged. If I don't have them charged, I have something to charge them with. 
I have, um, like I said, I have to stay ready. Um, my car has to be gassed up, just making sure that there are no hiccups because of the emergency situation that I'm going to. I need to make sure that I'm there in a timely manner, make sure that, that you know, I, I feel comfortable so that I can do or complete my investigations comfortably. So it kind of makes me think paperwork is done. Car is ready. Gas is in the car. I think about, okay, so then where does like nutrition fit in? Do you also food prep or do you, do you also prepare for your overall health while you're working? I do. And I think more, more so because of COVID now, um, I definitely make it a point to take my vitamins in the morning. I make it a point to carry my water, um, water bottle. Um, and that's something that I wasn't too good about in the past. Um, as far as food, I'm trying to be a little bit better about cooking. Um, but I do, you know, when I don't have time for that, I do try to make healthier choices when I'm going out there and, and working in the field. It, it becomes a little difficult when you're out in the field all day to have a meal um, or a warm meal per se. So that's, mm -hmm. that's been a challenge. Okay. What about physically? Do you implement exercise or some sort of ritual practice into your preparation? Um, I haven't been as good when it comes to exercising, but I will, again, it's just, you know, instead of taking the elevator, I try to take the, the, uh, the stairs, um, wherever I'm at, I try to do a little more walking, um, only because, you know, back in the day, several years ago, when I became a social worker, you can, you can get used to not taking care of your health. And, and I, I've seen that progress during, or not progress, but I've seen changes, um, you know, during the time I've been a social, social worker. So now I try to be a little more mindful of what I put in my body when I do it and how I do it. So part of it is in preparation as a social worker, aside from the stuff with preparing for an investigation or going to a home, you prepare yourself. You, you may, if you don't get to exercise, you may park farther so that you can walk, or you may take the stairs instead of the elevator. If, you're not able to food prep, then maybe you'll maybe go to like a salad, a healthier version of a salad. So it sounds like you have some ideas about the importance of that. Um, but maybe it wasn't always the case for you. You mentioned something about when you were a new social worker, you weren't always prepared in that way. Yes, absolutely. Um, you don't, you don't really understand what you're getting yourself into when you become a social worker until you're actually out there. Um, and then it also depends if you're doing emergency investigations versus, um, uh, you know, carrying a caseload or, or, you know, being a back end social worker. Um, there's different dynamics to this. And um, back when I became 11 years ago now, um, when I became a social worker, you kind of have to find what fits in your in your lifestyle so that you're able your body is able to move um, because you can easily fall into into you know, um, e eating unhealthy or, you know, drinking stuff that you're not supposed to, um, like energy drinks and, you know, just things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's taken me a while to finally understand what my body needs to be able to move forward. It's funny that you mentioned the energy drinks, because I remember my <laughs> early days as a social worker, 
I started to drink coffee. I don't like coffee. I don't like the taste of it. Um, but because everyone else was doing it and in the culture that was accepted, I was also participating in it, although it wasn't the healthiest choice for me to make. So I think maybe as workers, we kind of all come into something like that. Absolutely. I 100% agree. What would be something you would recommend to maybe social workers so that they can stay prepared and maybe also make these healthy choices so that they can take care of them health, their health through this process? Uh, listen to your body. Your body mm. tells you a lot. Um, you know, there, there's been times that I've literally worked nonstop for, let's say, 23 hours. And um, in, in the past, I kept saying I can push through it. I can push through it. But now I realize that my body is not the same anymore. Like I said, I've been a social worker for 11 years and I've noticed different changes. Um, so now I try to listen to my body a little bit more. Back then I pushed myself and I think, you know, it becomes unhealthy at some point. Um, now I try to, you know, drink my water, drink my vitamins. If I need a 10 minute nap, I try to do that. Um, you know, I reach out for help or I reach out to my my colleagues to to help me transport if I need to or because my body is just telling me you can't you know as you get older you start realizing that that the more you push it the more you start feeling it in your body and that's not a, a good way to to move forward and, and one thing I kind of reflected on when you were saying that is boundaries and learning how to set boundaries as a new social worker can be difficult. Are there any recommendations you would make when social workers are being told do A, B, C, and D and their body is saying, look, I'm going to fall apart if you don't stop um, to set those boundaries, maybe with oh, other staff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have to feel comfortable with saying I can't or I'm not going to do that. Um, and I know that's that's in our field, it's very difficult because you know, for one thing, I think about these families and I don't want inconsistency. And what I mean by that, I don't want families to, to have to experience working with different social workers just in one investigation, because I think that it becomes overwhelming. It's bad enough to have a social worker involved, but now you have two people coming to your house, two different people. Um, so now I try to focus on on the needs of the family but I also have to make sure that I focus on my needs if I need to sleep in because I've been working with this family you know until three o'clock in the morning then I will let the family know I will call you at this time you know and and that's with social workers with the supervisors also and other colleagues there's certain things that you definitely have to put boundaries or learn how to do that and that was something that was very difficult for me because whenever the family would call me, I would answer the phone, even though, you know, it was, it was not something healthy for me to do. Like disrupting my sleep sometimes, um, you know, it was just, you feel it later on in the day. And that, again, that's not healthy. And one of the things I think is important for families to hear, for parents to hear that is if a social worker doesn't call you back immediately, that may be that they're setting boundaries because they need some self-care. They need to be at their tip-top shape. They need to take care of maybe some basic needs they have, maybe some family needs. And then when they're back at work or 
when it's an appropriate time, they can return your call. So it's not that it's intentional. I'm ignoring the family or I'm ignoring the parent. There may be other things that go on in the lives of social workers. Right. And I think it's very important. And that's one thing that I definitely do um, share with my families when I work with them. I always tell them, you know, I'm very good about answering the phone, but if I can't answer it, there's something going on. So leave me a message and I will call you right back. And I do that just because I don't want to break that trust that, that these families have. Um, and again, sometimes they've had, you know, bad social workers, let's say, you know, or, mm -hmm. or situations in the past where they can't trust the social worker. So I, I want to make sure that I follow through with what I say I'm going to do, because I feel that, that I, we owe them to, we owe it to them, you know, family members that were in coming into their lives, they have a lot going on. And if we're just another social worker that doesn't follow through, then in the, in the, in the long run, that's going to affect me as a social worker trying to move forward with this family. Ah, that's, that is beautiful. You said that you notify and you kind of communicate fam families what your boundaries are so right. that there's not this guesswork. So I think hopefully if there are social workers out there listening, that they can take some of these suggestions with self-care, with communicating boundaries, with being clear about how they could organize their day. Um, so I wanted to thank you very much for sharing with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. It was nice to have the opportunity to talk with Maria. She is a dedicated worker and her organization and persistence is what has made her a success. I noted three main themes in our conversation. Maria, boy, does she prepare. She keeps her car tuned up with extra car seats. She has paperwork with pens and pencils. She keeps everything that you need in order to be in the field in her car. She wakes up early, she's dressed, she's ready to go. She also takes care of her own needs. She makes an effort to move her body during the day, maybe walking instead of driving, maybe parking farther, maybe taking the stairs. She will food prep, and if she forgets, she makes an attempt to eat healthier food options. Social workers, you have to do this, or you will fall apart quickly in this profession. This leads me to the second thing self-care and setting boundaries. Know what your boundaries are and listen to your body. Don't wait until your body falls apart. You start to get disease and illness takes over, but notice the aches. Take notice of being tired, the lack of sleep. Notice irritability arising in your mood. Maria knows her boundaries and she also communicates them to others. She tells her families when she is available and this is for their benefit. If Maria is in a good place, feels rested and grounded, she will continue to do her best to serve you as a social worker. The last idea that stuck with me was that there is no typical day. <laughs> Every day is different. 
some days are more challenging and some days you may have a chance to breathe. It will all pass. Moments will come and go. Stay grounded, stay grounded, stay grounded. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. Like below and subscribe to my channel. I will end by saying, the keys to happiness are following the path towards knowing oneself. Ancient comedic proverbs.